Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Digital Health and Sales Locker Room. I'm your host, Josh Pappas. Episode number 12, I'm excited to welcome Dustin Harper to the show. Dustin is the co-founder at Glued Global Consulting, where he helps bridge the gap between personal and professional development. Dustin and I have a great conversation about sales, working his way up into medical device sales. So make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get podcasts and enjoy episode 12. Welcome to the podcast, Dustin Harper. Dustin, welcome. Introduce yourself to the listeners. We always you kind of get started with a little bit of an origin story. So I know you and I run in the same, both sales and healthcare circles. So would love for you to introduce yourself. Hey, Josh. Great to be here. A little bit about myself. So I grew up in the Midwest. So originally grew up in Ohio, but I actually did not grow up an Ohio State fan. I grew up a Georgia fan, which was not, not easy to do that, living in Ohio, <laughs> Big Ten country. But a lot of my family's from Georgia, so I would go to football games since I was a little kid. So ended up going to school, University of Georgia, and that's where I graduated college. Got to throw in a go dogs, back-to-back national championships, have, have to throw it in there. And from there, I went straight into sales. So I actually did a Cutco job right out of school, right out of high school. And that was kind of my first introduction into sales. If you guys remember the expensive knives out there that I basically went to all my football and wrestling parents and friends and and sold that. Probably a lot of pity sales, but it it helped me kind of break into sales. And then after college, I was in the power tool industry for almost a decade. And then I kind of had a moment where I wanted to break into healthcare because I have a lot of family history there and went on to do med device staffing and then now have my own business. So in short, I'm very passionate about sales, very passionate about healthcare and try to make a difference in both. Yeah, no, that's, and, and we'll get into it a little bit at the end, but I got two questions as a follow-up from that. Um, you know, kind of what, was there a one moment or just kind of series of moment that prompted you? Did you always want to get into healthcare? Did you kind of get into healthcare side of sales impromptu? Talk, talk me through a little, little bit of that process. Yeah, so I grew up, my dad was a doctor and then my mom was administrator at a hospital and I have a lot of cousins that were nurses or nurse practitioners. So it was probably meant to be for me to get into healthcare at some point. But I will say when I grew up, I remember my dad having a beeper and like having to be gone all the time. And it was just kind of a crazy lifestyle back then. So I did not want to be on the provider side. I I knew that for sure, but I could see myself in healthcare at some point. So I think I had a great run in another industry and kind of climbed the ladder there and learned a ton. And then I just kind of felt an urge to sort of get into healthcare. And then I also was pretty good at sales and I wanted to sort of bet on myself and medical device tends to be one of the best places to be if you are good at sales, although it's risky, it's very challenging. There's a lot of pressure, but if you think you're good at sales, med device is a place to be. And short story of it, one of my good buddies that I'd known for over a decade was working at Stryker at the time. And one thing led to another and was able to get a opportunity there. And then, and then after that, the pandemic happened shortly thereafter. So I felt like I got about 10 years of experience and three or four years uh, since then. But yeah, ever since then, I've, I'm definitely going to have some portion of my career is going to be in healthcare because I think there's a lot of good things to, to help and there's a lot of change that needs to be done. And there needs to be people like ourselves that are making that change. So always have some type of uh, activity in healthcare, I think. No, that's awesome. So my, 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 my follow-up question unrelated to that is, um, Athens, Georgia. What's what's your favorite memory being a, a Bulldogs fan, specific at Athens, Georgia? Because I I always tell people my dad grew up 
Uh, he's a South Carolina fan, so I grew up going to games there. But um, Athens was was my favorite place to watch a college uh, football game. So uh, any 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 moments? I'm sure there's a million that stand out. Um, but either when you're in school or or, or post grad. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, when I was in school, there's a lot of painful moments because we were always good but never great, and we'd we'd lose the Alabama or LSU, whatever the teams were. So a lot of awesome times during undergrad but i would say the the memory that stands out the most was a few years after i graduated uh, when we were in the rose bowl so the college football playoff when we played oklahoma baker mayfield was the heisman trophy winner and it was a crazy two overtime game but it was in pasadena if you've ever been out there i mean it's just unbelievable weather the ambiance is second to none and it happened to be one of the most entertaining probably playoff games there's ever been and Georgia ended up winning. We we lost that year in the national championship to Alabama in overtime. But that game goes down e- even more so than the than the ones we won the national championship. So I really remember that one. That was in 2017. Yeah, that's awesome. Great, great place. Great fans. Um, well, let's dig in here. So the first segment we're going to do. This is uh, you know popular segment, so it's the top ten, bottom ten. So if you're new on a listener perspective, this is when we get both the healthcare executives or um, the executives to be able to share and salespeople to share, you know, maybe their greatest moment in their mind or maybe the not so good moments to learn from it. So um, I'll I'll let you start with with with, with the best or the worst, um, whichever way you want to take it, hey, Dustin. We'll start with the worst or the, the, the learning moments, uh, a few there. So a few that stand out to me, I don't know if I have 10 total, but when I was first climbing the ladder in another industry, I worked for Milwaukee Tool, another great company. If you ever go to Home Depot, you see drills everywhere. I got to a point where I sort of plateaued. I wasn't getting that next step, that promotion, director, VP. I, I wanted to kind of climb the ladder. I was probably way too focused on my title at the time. So that's a lesson for everybody. Don't worry so much about the title, but I, I was at the time. And I got feedback, very specific feedback to have more of the tough conversations. So essentially what I was doing at the time, I was avoiding the tough conversations, whether that be with the customer or internally, I would still have them, but I'd wait till the last minute. And it was kind of holding me back from getting to that, that next leadership level. So at the time I took it personal, but looking back, it was kind of a turning point where I became much more open to constructive feedback. And it really helped me in my career with like coaches and mentors. So a lesson there is to, have the tough conversations and be open to feedback. I wasn't always good at that and I continue to try to get better. So that, that's a good one. Another one was when I broke into med device. So I'd done really well in another industry. And then I realized, wow, it's actually really complicated, really hard to get anything done in healthcare. And I was probably a little overconfident going into it and didn't realize how complex and challenging it, it is to get anything done. And soon thereafter, within a year, the pandemic happened, which pretty much was one of the toughest selling environments in the last hundred years, at least for the type of products I was selling. So you talk about getting hit with a brick wall. I was definitely doubting myself like, Hey, should I go back with my tail between my legs or should I stay here? I decided to stop feeling sorry for myself again, kind of went deep with coaching and ended up doing really well at striker as far as, you know, my sales numbers and things I was able to accomplish, but it was not easy. I mean, that, that was pandemic. That first six, nine months was, I mean, it, it was some crazy times, just the type of stuff you're seeing and how challenging it was. I mean, you were scared to even reach out to the hospitals at some point for fear of like looking like a, you know, bad, bad person trying to take advantage of something. So those those two stand out at the top. Those are some good ones. So I don't know if you have any follow up questions there, but I have a few more, too. No, man, those are th- th- those are great. Let's focus on you know some of so, some of the good times. Um, but I but I love some of the takeaways there. I think the tough conversation is 
something that's so underrated, right? When you think about um, not just the tough conversations, I think that you know, for me, right, I was good at having the tough conversations externally, right? Because that's kind of your, you're used to that and, and being able to take that. But internally, that's an underrated one. So I'm glad you pointed that out. But um, but let's let's go to the good times. Uh, so so what, what are the ones that stand out for you? Yeah, so going back to the med device. So despite all that kind of headwinds, when I went there, I ended up being over 200% to quota all three years that I was there, which was not easy to do. So I definitely look at that as, as an accomplishment because it usually takes a long time to be successful there, let alone when the pandemic happens and all the craziness. So to be able to have that success quickly was really cool. Um, also, when I was on the Milwaukee side, I was dealing with Home Depot, which is really big numbers. And I basically had an account package that was about $16 million, so big account package, but I was working with HomeDepot.com and all these other places. When I left, that account package was close to 200 million. So over like a six year period, that growth, there was a lot of people involved to get it there, but I learned so much with that kind of hyper growth that it kind of set me up for a lot of different things. And another one too is I, I took a chance at a startup at one point, it didn't work out. I ended up getting uh, laid off, which is not an easy thing to deal with or say, but and kind of sparked a fire in me to start my own thing. And I wouldn't really be where I'm at now if I wouldn't have had that experience. So I kind of turned a negative into a positive, started my own business. And I think just all this work in different industries and being able to be successful in healthcare helped me feel confident to start my own business. So those are probably some of the highlights as well. Yeah, man. I mean, that's got to be the ultimate, uh, <laughs> you know, feel it down. But then, you know, you can look back at it and say, I, I think a lot of people and uh, you can, can kind of look at look at certain moments, but they needed that extra push, whether it's not start your own business, right, to you know transition from you know, customer success to sales or, or make make that jump. So that's great. Um, well, good, man. So let's switch over. We do a segment, Mount Rushmore sales leaders. I know if, if you're like me, you kind of had people that have come, you know, weaved in, in, in and out of your uh, sales life that uh, made an impact. So what are kind of four leaders you admired or? helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, it's a great question. There's a lot that kind of running through my head, but uh, the first one I would say is a gentleman, his name is Mike Heiss. So when I was in the other industry in Power Tools, the my first job I took, I had to move to Orlando. So right away I'm moving, don't know anybody, basically at the ground level, <laughs> packing, uh, stocking aisles in a Home Depot store. And I reached out to somebody within the company. I was like, hey, is there anybody else in Orlando that's in another division? And ended up being this guy named Mike Heiss. So he was in another division and we kind of hit it off out of the gates. And he was he was a hard, you know, a hard guy to deal with, right? He wrestled in college. He was getting up at 4 a.m. And eventually he gave me a chance to get a promotion, right? So he kind of helped me get my first promotion within that company and my career kind of took off from there. But I had to pay my dues. I was run around like crazy. I was the only associate rep in Florida helping out for all these events, like getting up crazy early, run around with my head cut off. But he kind of put me in the position to get that first promotion. And then from there, my, my sales career kind of took off and I learned a lot from him. And then funny enough, 10 years later, he was at Stryker. And when I wanted to change industries, he helped me get an interview there. So don't burn bridges. You never know what's going to come back around. So him for sure, call out to Mike Heist. Uh, number two, I would say, Brian Burns. If you guys are ever on LinkedIn, you see the guy walking around in his neighborhood with funny sales videos. I took his course years ago and it helped me kind of take my my game to the next level. I was already doing good, but it was, I think you always got to keep investing in yourself no matter how good things are going. And from a process standpoint, from a complex deals, 
I mean, he's just a magician, so much wisdom, and he's written several books. And I took his course and then from there uh, ended up working with him now. So I help with his podcast. I help with his course. That was kind of cool. Full circle thing over five years. So there's a theme of don't burn bridges and you never know when things are going to come back around. And then uh, Corey. So at some point, maybe you'll be able to interview Corey, but he's my partner in crime with Glued, what I do now. And he's had a lot of success in staffing and healthcare recruiting all these different industries that he's been in and he we have different styles right so i think we kind of play off each other's strengths and he helps kind of dive into different things for me and make me see weak spots that i wouldn't have seen before and and, and we're kind of a dynamic duo from a sales standpoint so he constantly is pushing me to get better whether it be from a professional or a personal standpoint i think a lot of times in sales or healthcare you don't you focus on the professional but not the personal side and he's really helped me kind of transform from the inside out, which makes me a better salesperson. And then I just say uh, the first company I was at, Milwaukee, just in general, their whole leadership team. I mean, I they, they were a crazy growth company and I had seven roles when I was there in a short time. So if I wouldn't have been thrown into all those positions, who knows if I would be where I'm at now. So definitely appreciate the, that, uh, that first company I was at. No, it's a great list. And uh, one follow-up, and I think, I think it's super important because now it's harder and harder, but I, similar to you, really believe in, you know, the power of professional development, personal development. Um, you know, there's lots of, it's, it seems like now there's, there's many different courses, but kind of talk me through when you first were going through that process of, of, you know, doing the, uh, the, the Brian Burns course and more importantly, going through it, kind of how, how do you feel like you landed on that one? And then most importantly, um, advice to everybody out there, how do you feel like you can kind of like, you know, maximize you know, that aspect and, and, and apply it to what you did right before it was the full circle of uh, being able to help them out? Yeah, that's not always going to happen. So don't expect that part to happen, but it worked out for me. Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to salespeople are typically pretty confident. They're kind of have that A player mentality, but sometimes can be overconfident and maybe a little too cocky. So it's almost like you don't want to ask for help. And I think I was like that for a long time. I had really good success at one industry. And then I went to another one. I was like, oh, wow, I need to really step my game up. So I think you have to just admit to yourself like, hey, you want to have this mentality of constantly improving where you're investing in yourself. And I think if you can think of it like that, it doesn't matter if you're CEO of a hospital. It doesn't matter if you've been the top sales rep for five years in a row. You have to keep investing in yourself and get feedback and get better because things are way different now than they were five years ago in healthcare or 10 years ago. So if you're not doing that, then it's it's going to be tough to keep keep up. And I think there's a lot of maybe almost imposter syndrome where people are shot. They don't want to say that they're paying for coaching because you have to pay out of pocket, which is a commitment. But I think once you actually do it and then you realize the value, as long as you engage in that, whatever program it is, I mean, it's second to none the amount of knowledge that i got i feel like i got three or five years of knowledge in one year by doing these programs the amount of people i met connections not just the coach that you have but all their connections of people that you get to meet and it basically sped up my career by five or ten years and then once i started doing coaching like now i've had sales coaches i've had life coaches i've had linkedin and personal branding coaches i've had financial real estate so it's it's almost like once you break that seal you want it you, you yearn for that feedback and always getting better. And I mean, just kind of think of where you want to be five years, 10 years from now and find those type of coaches and mentors. And that's the type of people that I want to get feedback from. So don't be too cocky, get out of your comfort zone and try it. And then once you do, I feel pretty confident that you're going to have a good experience and you'll want to keep doing it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think that um, you know, for, for, for me, it's, it's being able to, 
to your point, immerse it, help leverage the network, right? Not just the, you know, the, the, the pen on the paper course t- stuff. Um, you know, but I think also too, like there's, there is so much. So all you got to do is kind of like reading a book, right? If you apply three or four principles from one book, right? That's probably better than, you know, skimming through a bunch of different ones. So uh, really great advice. Um, switching gears a little bit. So we do MJ versus LeBron debate. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to have a, a, a special, <laughs> a, a special segment for you. So, um, on that note, right, um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the 24-7 on the grind, um, you know, type mindset or, uh, you know, what you alluded to a little bit in some of your work, uh, kind of you know, truly having a individual and a personal um, wellness mindset. So I uh, would love for you to just kind of comment on what you've seen out there, working with other organizations, and then from a personal perspective, uh, how you've kind of seen that either, you know, change or evolve over time. Yeah, I mean, first off, I love LeBron and MJ, but I did grow up in Ohio, so I'm gonna have to go with LeBron on that. As far as just if I had to pick one, just to throw it out there. But that's man, really I like it. I no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. I, I, I like that because you know we've had we've had you know lots of M, M, MJ love, um, you know, here. So we need we we need some new school LeBron. So uh, you know, tally tally that one for Ohio. So sounds good. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he he just had so much pressure out of high school to, to achieve what he did. So it's pretty. If you look back the last 20 years, it's pretty crazy what he's been able to do with all that hype from the very get-go but love both of them either way so yeah so me how I see it is I grew up kind of that hard work culture but what ended up happening to me is I was living to work versus working to live which that's going to get you so far I still did really well I got promoted I was moving up I did well in different industries but that only is going to last so long and eventually it's going to catch up to you and I kind of look at it as like how do I limit my regrets as much as possible the last thing you want to is older and regret different things and you can't do anything about it. And I'm pretty sure you're not going to be like, man, shucks, I wish I would have worked more hours at this job. You're going to be like, I wish I would have spent more time with friends, family, et cetera. So I had a point where I was living to work versus working to live. And kind of my epiphany was really the personal development side. So I started doing something as simple as a morning routine. It was five or 10 minutes at first. Now it's close to an hour, but that morning routine kind of became my rallying cry where it was time for myself, whether it be reading, listening to podcasts, gratitude, uh, empowering statements, all these different things that I do now. And it kind of just set the tone for my day for doing hard things. And it made sales and business much easier or healthcare to deal with, especially, you know, doing a morning routine before you walk into a hospital and see all the crazy stuff going on. It really sets sets you apart. So I think um, that was kind of a transformation for me as I realized morning routine and focusing on myself more not working myself to the bone i became more productive i was working less hours getting more done and i was happier and probably more profitable to my companies that i was working for at the time so i think if you can like kind of look at it that way and i'm don't get me wrong i'm all about working hard and getting stuff done and i have to i'm my own worst enemy with that i have to kind of watch myself but i think I just had that epiphany with the morning routine. And then from there, I just added more and more healthy habits to that, whether it be breath work, mindfulness, gratitude, it just kept building up. But I think if you start small, something like a morning routine, even five minutes, you can really kind of build on it from there. Yeah, no, I, I love, I love the perspective there. And I, I had a you know, similar journey too. And I think the, the, the challenge is you could, you, you could start to do all of what you just described at what, you know, at, at one time and it feel overwhelming. Right. And I, yeah. um, I found myself, 
um, again, through the process of it was number one, uncomfortable for me to do, but the gratitude one, and, and I admittedly don't do it every single day, but, you know, 10, 10 things you're thankful for at the end of the day, right? You know, putting your phone down and it's so small, but the, the, the impact is, is, is pretty remarkable, right? Um, you know, it's not, I'm not saying that you're going to, you know, overnight close an enterprise healthcare deal or enterprise software deal, <laughs> but you do start, you do start to really, you know, it adds up and you're like, wait a minute, what, what's missing, right? And it was a couple of these, um, these, these different areas, um, you know, same way. I remember I, I, I was in uh, earlier this year and did some, some breath work. And this was probably, I would say the extreme of the breath work, but <laughs> even that I was call me a skeptic, but I was like, you know, listen, it's probably not something I'm going to do all day, every day, but you know, a couple is actually pretty good, right? Whether you're going into an uncomfortable situation, you know, busy meeting. And so um, I've, I've lived and breathed that uh, for sure, and I'm sure you know you, you've seen that firsthand with some of the clients that you've that you worked with. Yeah, you, you got to start small, right? If you look at the habits, I'm sure a lot of people have read the Power of Habits, Atomic Habits. All, they're all kind of similar type of thing, but kind of try to get one percent better. So if you're going to do a morning routine, or if you're going to go to a breath work, I mean, just try five minutes. One, you know, it could be writing five things down you're grateful for, or saying it out loud. Maybe it's reading five pages out of a book every morning. Just start small. And then from there, you can start stacking more things on top of it. And yeah, sometimes the mindfulness and the wellness side gets a bad rap because it's very woo-woo. You know, you think of yoga and some crazy hardcore thing, but there's a lot of benefits if you do it in short, kind of digestible moments. For example, the breath work. I do a breath work thing before I have a big meeting or presentation because you're, you're always getting a little amped up. You're nervous, but there's a breath work thing that's two minutes and it gets me ready and more relaxed going into a tough conversation or a big meeting. So there's simple things. That's how we try to teach stuff in general, because I, when I first heard mindfulness, breath work, meditation, I was like, oh, that's not for me. You know, I'm like a sales guy <laughs> type thing, but there's, there's things that can work for everybody. So you just got to kind of find what matches up with you and, and don't do a lot right away. It's like, if you're going to the gym at the beginning of the year, start with 15 minutes at the gym. Don't try to go for an hour and a half. You got to kind of do baby steps type thing. Yeah, agreed. And and I think that, um, how do you, how do you guys combat? Not necessarily combat is maybe, maybe the bad way to describe it, but I'm sure that you're going in having a conversation and salespeople can sometimes be the, you know, their own worst enemy. But, um, talk to me about some of the conversations that you have with people or how they've kind of, you know, transformed when they've been kind of super skeptics to the point of almost being like, Oh, none of this applies to me. This, this doesn't work. I'm sure you've, you've you guys have come across either those individuals or even, you know, those teams in the past and kind of you know, talk through that transformation. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you got to pick and choose your battles sometimes. And healthcare has pretty severe stress and burnout retention issues right now. So those are at the top of mind if you're talking to people like that. But we <clears throat> we try to make it kind of well-rounded. So there's something in there for everybody. And we can kind of hyper-focus on one area if another one's not as uh, open to them. So we have kind of five buckets we focus on. One is habits. One is getting out of your comfort zone. Then we have having a growth mindset mindfulness and then integrity. So we have these five buckets. Uh, we, we like to do a program that has all of them encompassing because that is, is the best way to make change. But sometimes people could be more apt to one or the other. So for example, sales folks typically don't want to talk about mindfulness as much because it seems out of the ordinary. But when you talk about mindset, because they get rejected all the time, they're very open to that. And then we talk about change because the comp plan and everything is changing all the time. They're getting acquired by a new company. They're chopping up territories. They want to talk about change. So that's good. And then when I'm in the healthcare side, 
like at a hospital, let's say the mindfulness and the stress and burnout retention is at the very top of the list because they can barely stay afloat with all the turnover and, and the stress going on. So I think you just have to kind of know your audience and ask the right questions and, and focus on them. I mean, it's all about what they care about, but I think we have enough in our kind of uh, what we teach that we can kind of adapt to certain folks, but healthcare, we have a background there. We know they need the most help, quite frankly. So that's why we focus there. And then also sales, I just instantly connect with salespeople and kind of know what they're going through. And, and that whole personal development stuff helped me. So it's easy for me to be passionate and talk about it with salespeople. No, I really, really love the perspective there. And I, I saw it firsthand, you know, uh, luckily when, when you and I met down in, uh, down in Georgia, uh, you guys had, you know, the whole room of, uh, you know, what, 250, 300 healthcare executives. Um, and it was well received, right? Because, you know, their, their, their days are super busy, especially with, with all that's going on in healthcare right now. Um, so switching gears a little bit, I think this one's super relevant for you. Um, but we kind of do advice for a rookie sales rep, but, you know, would love, love your perspective on, um, and I'm sure you get some of these conversations. Hey, I'm looking to either break into the healthcare space because it's something that I want to do, um, for somebody later in their career or, you know, somebody kind of coming you know, straight out and, and maybe pursuing a career in sales. What, uh, what type of advice would you have for, for both avenues? Yeah, it's a great question. I, so a few things that stand out, I think first off, especially if you're getting into healthcare or something similar, you need to kind of be in it for the long haul. It's really hard to break into med device or these health tech companies, and it's really hard to get anything done in healthcare. So it's not going to be an overnight success. It's going to probably take you two to three years to rot, to really kind of hit your stride, if not longer. And some companies, quite frankly, don't hire people unless if they have more than five years of experience. So you got to have this kind of long-term mentality, whatever industry you're going into. And then the second point is knowing what industry you want to get into. I think, for example, a lot of people want to get into med device, but they don't realize there's so many different things that fall under med device. There's pharma, there's capital sales, there's disposable, there's uh, biotech. There's all these different things that have all these different nuances and, and med device isn't very glamorous either. You have to be in the hospital. You have to be at cases. You have to be places at five in the morning sometimes. So there's, you need to know what industry you're getting into and not just latch on to something right away. And I, I would definitely, the whole coaching and mentoring thing, especially right out of school, there's a lot of people that are probably willing to kind of give their time to you for free and be a mentor and kind of help you out. I know if someone reached out to me, Hopefully not everybody does from your from your podcast, but I would love, you know, I like helping people. So if you find people like you or me, I'm sure they're willing to give you feedback and help you out with where you want to go. And I mean, sales is not for everybody. I mean, it's a lot of these jobs are going to be very commission focused. So if you're looking for something stable, uh, sales might not be the route that you want to go, but it's also high risk, high reward. So if you want to have that kind of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mentality and make your own schedule and uh, have a lot of perks. If, if things go well, it, it can be for you. So there's a, certainly a lot of financial upside with it. And the last thing with sales, I think, especially in the healthcare arenas, a lot of reason people are passionate about it is because you are helping people. And I think that's something that you can really rally behind, uh, whether it be with a technology standpoint, helping workflow, or if it's med device, literally potentially saving lives or helping doctors and nurses. So I think that's really something you can rally behind. That's unlike any other industry because of how kind of intimate it is with with the patients and the healthcare workers. So those are just a few, but I think if you're going to take risks, take it early. And if I were to go back, I would have probably went to more higher commission focused jobs because that's where probably the most opportunity is. It's just very uncomfortable to do that. 
Yeah, no, it, it all, all that resonates. I think on the advice side, I think being able to you know seek have a conversation, and uh, I take a similar approach. Is okay. Hey, here's here, here's the subset of medical sales, and you know once you kind of outline that, it's like, hey, which would you rather do? Right? For some people, being able to scrub in and you know touching patients and helping you know helping the provider on the med. The med side, well, that's something you're not going to get on the technology side, right? But there's a different level of, um, you know, helping, you know, some of the tech teams solve some of the uh, some of the different challenges. And uh, I tend to agree the ability to see firsthand, and I know you probably have, and I sure have, of technology, device, whatever, on impact on the patient. I mean, that's pretty much second to none of being able to have that. I don't care what you sell. Um, so, you know, the, it's not for everybody, but I think once you do it a couple of times, you're like, wow, you know, I've, I'm here for the long haul, which is, which is great. Um, and then I think being able to take advice and a lot of people, you know, reach out and, and they want a little bit of that instant gratification, not everyone. Right. But I think just really being able to go in there and having a conversation and understand. And um, I'm sure you've seen it. I think the majority of people are either a nervous to to reach out or b you know, don't necessarily, you know, know how to, um, you know, to follow up appropriately. Right. But typically people like yourself or others, although we're busy. Right. We usually like to give back because we remember somebody gave us you know, chance way back when, right? Um, and, and so I think that that resonates. So I, I, I at least, and I'm sure you do want to want to be able to pay that forward. Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, if, if someone's genuine reaching out, I, I like to help people as much as possible. If they're trying to kind of get something out of it right away and it seems kind of like that type of vibe, then I might not, you know, respond as much. But I think in general, we want to see people do well and I want to help people learn from mistakes that I made. And yeah, I mean, if you have that kind of proactive mentality, I think you can can meet the right people and network and and do it. So yeah, I'm, I'm a huge sales proponent, but you just make sure you're going to the right industry, the right subset and do your research. And people are willing to do things. I mean, you can go with ride alongs with, I mean, I know a lot of med device people and health tech people that will have people from outside do ride alongs and kind of see what's going on. So, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do before you take that that full plunge as well. Yeah. Plus, if you get into med device, you, you could just wear scrubs. Right. So if nothing else, <laughs> then you're you're for better or worse, your wardrobe is decided. Right. And that's that's uh, you know, something to be said, said for that. I guess now working remotely, mm. maybe you're in the same you know, same boat, but uh, you could you could throw on scrubs or. Uh, send it. You know, I said I, I remember when I was uh, put on scrubs for the first time. Sent it to my mom, and um, you know, I was I was the closest thing we had to medical. Till my brother went to PA school, and now he's an actual medical professional. So you know, I was out. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's something to be said about the scrubs. I yeah. At one point, I was there was this whole battle of like, do you wear scrubs or business casual when you have a meeting with the C-suite in the hospital? But you know, you can kind of get away with either. But it was just kind of like it's like this own kind of industry in itself with the whole scrub scrub life but it's like wearing joggers all the time it's pretty good yeah exactly man so all right well last last couple segments so we do a tech booster but i'm interested so you know in your in in your opinion or you know what you've used kind of a sales tool you can't live without or i know you do a lot of you know content and and things with linkedin and podcast right so anything that stands out there for Mm -hmm. somebody kind of looking to level up on linkedin or level up on the podcast side yeah it's a great question i mean i traditionally and not as tech savvy as I'm sure yourself and others. But one thing that I, as far as trying to get better, especially with customer meetings is just simply recording the meetings and taking feedback on myself of where I can get better. So if you're a sales professional, especially with these longer kind of deal cycles and enterprise type things, record your meetings. Most of the time customers are are cool with it. Just say you're trying to 
you know, take notes and make sure you have the right follow up for them and actually watching it and kind of doing a postmortem on yourself and where you can get better, especially if there's a lot of people involved in the call. So that's one thing that's simple. You can do with Teams or Zoom or whatever platform that you use. Um, if you're doing CRM, I had a bad habit of not using CRM for most of my career, and that made it tougher to adopt it later because you, you kind of get those habits. So uh, if you are newer, get into it. I would try to get in the habit of using it as best you can just so your, your managers and teams will kind of stay off you a little bit. I, I did not do a good job of that, which typically if your sales are good, it's no one's going to be too mad, but maybe getting a habit of that out of the gates. And then LinkedIn, I mean, honestly, the videos and stuff I do is straight from my phone. So I don't get super complicated with some high tech. I do have a ring light for certain things. But I mean, I use my phone for majority of everything I do on LinkedIn, whether it be pictures or videos. So I think sometimes people <clears throat> kind of think they have to have some crazy studio for, for it. But a lot of times those real kind of raw videos that, that look more personal are the ones that do the best. So I think just don't overthink it. And you can kind of add things as you, as you go, but simply like a ring light and a and an iPhone, a newer one, you'll be good to go with LinkedIn and content. Just start doing it because people are scared to do it. And once you get over that hump, you'll be fine. Exactly. The simplicity of it. And yeah, you never want to be on the list of bad at, uh, you know, the, actually the worst, right? You, you never want to be the worst at CRM and, and the document in there and then the worst at expense reports, right? There's a fine line. You don't have to be the best at it, but you certainly just don't want to be on that list as, as, as the worst. Uh, so that's funny. So, um, well, good, man. Well, rounding us out, we're su I'm super excited. I know we've, we've collaborated on it, but um, the last segment is kind of, you know, around the clock sales plug. So would love for you to learn a little bit more about what you guys are doing at Glued Consulting and um, who you help, um, how you guys have helped some people and wherever you want to take it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'll try to keep it uh, to the point. But yeah, in a nutshell, the problems that we focus on, we touched on a little bit earlier. So stress and burnout, retention, overall employee health, employees being open to change and just some of their mindset. That's sort of the problems that we focus on from a B2B standpoint with leaders. It could be CEOs, COOs people in charge of sales that want to help their companies with those problems. And our whole philosophy is a lot of companies think about all the external things. All they're focused on is KPIs and process. That's all important, but it's not everything. So we're all about how do you kind of transform your employees from the inside out? We want to kind of be that bridge between employee, personal and professional development. Ultimately, what that's going to do is make your employees happier, more productive, and more profitable. So it's sort of a win-win for everybody. So that's overarching where we focus. We typically work with healthcare, whether that be providers, hospitals, or med device companies. And then we also work with a lot of sales leadership and different companies that are kind of, kind of growing. And we have longer term programs where we implement this. We have one-on-one -on -one in small groups. And then we also do one-time speaking events, similar to when I met you. And everything we do is around five buckets. So we have change we have mindset we have habits mindfulness and integrity so all five of those kind of bring everything together and the name glued is our tagline is we help your workforce stick together so glued help your workforce stick together so that's sort of what we're all about i love it man um and i've seen firsthand been fortunate to see you know so, some some of the work in action so excited to learn a little bit more well um, Dustin, appreciate you joining. Really excited to follow the process. Uh, do you have any, I guess, final words of advice if somebody's on that edge of, 
of trying to start on their own, right? Um, you know, and, and, and being able to kind of do their own thing. How, how did you finally know and, and, and step into it fully? Yeah, it's a great question. I think something that I say daily to myself is invest in yourself now to avoid regrets later. So I literally, it's part of my kind of morning routine and one of the empowering statements that I say. So I think, you know, if not now, when are you going to do it, right? <laughs> the other best time is 10 years ago. The other best time is, is today. And you don't want to look back. And if you had an opportunity to start your own thing or go to a startup, and if you have the ability to kind of take that risk, of course, do your due diligence and, and dig into it. But I mean, you're not going to find much better time than now, most likely, depending on what you're looking for. And, and then the last thing you want is to have a ton of major regrets later. And, and I have a ton of regrets too, but how do I limit those as much as possible? And part of that was kind of doing my own thing. And I'm, and I'm glad that I did it. So I think just invest in yourself in general, whether that be coaching, uh, mentoring, and then maybe taking some risks, like starting your own thing. Agreed. And I'll make sure that uh, you guys can find Dustin and include consulting, but I challenge all the listeners to just do that, do, do that one small change. And then uh, hopefully we're back here and it's, it's impacted you guys. So Dustin, thanks again for joining the podcast. Excited to follow. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. See you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast. Make sure to share, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get podcasts. Coming later this week, I sit down and talk to someone from one of the most innovative companies I've seen in the cold outreach space. And later next week, we take a deep dive into some experts on the age-old battle between marketing versus sales. And I sit down and talk to some interesting and accomplished marketing professionals to understand a little bit more of how that works. Thanks again for listening.